0: Well, we're going to move to the Word of God, and it's a real pleasure uh, to have Pastor Takvana with us tonight um, and uh, to be able to share the Word. Had a great Word last night, just a powerful Word uh, that's shifted a few things, and uh, I know that God is doing some things in our lives. For those that don't know, uh, he, uh, together with his wife, Pastor Church Unlimited uh, in Auckland, New Zealand, they also have a... Uh, a radio program, TV program called Running with Fire. They host a conference, New Zealand and beyond, and uh, that uh, brings together churches from all over New Zealand. He's a great man of God, and we've been hearing from his heart above all else. We've just been been sensing his heart and his spirit and his love for the kingdom of God. I know that God is going to speak to us on, uh, tonight, so let's just open our hearts and allow God to deposit something that's going to be eternal in our hearts and lives tonight. So, would you give him a big, big welcome as he comes to share the word? Bless you. I love you. Hey, but it's so good to be here tonight, and we've actually managed to get our um, <clears throat> some of our photos and slides going. <clears throat> Before I get to that, I'm, I'm still on this recruiting business, you know, so, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, I mean, how good is this music here? I mean, these guys are seriously good, and I, I've heard good music, and I've heard good stuff, but... Uh, these guys have a presence of God that just trumps, uh, that trumps the brilliance of all the other music. And uh, <clears throat> so the, the contracts are almost here. Should have them here by tomorrow. But uh, you just need to know that there's, there's one other contract that I'm working on right now. And, and that's my chauffeur, Adrian. He's there. Uh, he, I mean, that guy, is, he is seriously good at what he does. And uh, he's looked after us so well. And uh, You know We've got another conference coming up, and we are one driver short. And so, Adrian, the contract, yours may take a day or two, because we just started working on that today. So we'll have it here, Joe, and uh, we actually don't need your signature anyway, so we'll just march right ahead with that. That's great. You've got some fantastic people in this place. You really, really have. It's so awesome. Hey, so put the first one up as uh, my wife. There we go. And uh, you know that... To get us looking like that costs us some, some big money. <laughs> there's a lot of paint brushing going on there and uh, making it look really good. So the next one is my, uh, rest of my family, there's Jody there and my uh, son-in-law, Sam, my two grandchildren, there's Emma and Zach, and wow, they're just such a joy and such a delight to have. So uh, and great to have Jody with us here on this conference too. So... <clears throat> Yeah, she's, uh, they're, they're the campus pastors. Jody, uh, you know, runs a woman's ministry, but she also song leads in the church. She preaches in the church, preached at our conference, not last year, year before. And so, yeah, she, she's just great. they a great family there. Next one is my um, social media slide. For those of you who'd like to, I don't know if you... Any Instagrammers here? Yeah, yeah, one. All right. Yeah, but you're already following me. Uh, but if there's anyone else, you just go to at Tarkbana. Uh, any twits in the place? <laughs> Twitters, all right. You go there. And if you want to get, uh, if you want to follow me on Facebook, you've got to go to our our uh, Running with Fire. That's our multimedia arm. So you've got to go to um, Running with Fire with Tark Barna. So if you want to follow us as we travel around the place, and you guys are going to be on it. By the way, you'll be on. We'll put some photos up and bits and pieces of of being here in this place as well. Hey, um. Something I want to do tomorrow night, uh, for those of you interested, Sunday night, sorry, Sunday night, tomorrow night here, we're eating at Danny's place, so <laughs> looking forward to that too, all right. <clears throat> but uh, on Sunday night, something I did at my conference in, in New Zealand and in Auckland and Christchurch is we want to pray for everyone age, it's a critical age group, age eight, eight, 11 to early 30s. And what we want to do is pray a prayer of impartation that God will raise up a a, a breakthrough, revival, double-portion generation. So we're talking about the Elishas and the Joshuas. You know, Joshua did what Moses never managed to do, take the land. And uh, Elisha did twice the miracles of Elijah. And I reckon the anointing I carry has not been enough to change and shake this nation. So I want to see another generation rise up with double everything we carry, triple, quadruple, as much as we can give them, and to see this nation and the nations of the world impacted by God. So if you know anyone in that age group, 11 to early 30, you can call what early 30s, you can just find that yourself. Bring them along. Whether they're saved or unsaved, I don't care. We want to pray for them. We want to impart something to them. And we want to see that generation. I am actually a champion for the next generation. And I just want to see them raised up. I'm a champion for every generation, all right? Uh, seriously, I am. But, you know, we just really want to see that next generation apprehended by God and just so that God can get a hold of them and do something in their life. So 11 early 30s, bring them along. You've got kids in that age group. Even if they're not saved. backslidden, doesn't matter. Bring them along. Let us get our hands on them. Well, let God get his hands on them and see what he'll do in and through their lives. Hey, I uh, just want to say uh, thank you so much for the privilege of being here. It's been so, I've just so enjoyed it. I've loved the presence of God. And, uh, you know, as I said this morning, I- I've felt God impacting my life. I not came just to serve and to preach. I've came to receive. And I've received, I reckon I've received more than I've given. You know, some of those moments that we've been having with God and in worship has just impacted my life, and I feel something's moved in me. You know, I came praying, God, move them and shift them, and God said, yeah, no, 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 I want to move you and shift you, and God, God's touched my heart, so I want to thank you all for that, because you've created an atmosphere in this place where something like that can happen, and I'm so thankful and so grateful to God for that. Father, we thank you as we come to your word tonight. Lord, uh, gosh, we're just so desperate for you. Lord, I I so need you to to speak tonight. Lord, uh, we've heard the voice of man for so long and it's really not worth much. But boy, the voice of God is so precious, so powerful and so life-changing. And I just pray for every person in this auditorium tonight, including me, that we will hear personally the voice of God, the voice of heaven. There's something will shift in our lives, something will change, something will move. We'll leave here, Father, different from how we walked in these doors. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Well, just before I get into this message tonight, can you turn to the person next to you and just say, I love your hairstyle." I, I'm just, I, I'm just not sure about what we say about Danny's hairstyle. It's kind of quite unique, uh, quite special, you know, shiny. Yeah. You polished it lately? Thank you shine it up. All right. Okay, let's go. As a young adult, I'd only been saved, oh, maybe a few years, but still very young, and, uh, there was a complaint laid against me to the church leadership. Serious, this is true. It happened. And so I was summoned uh, to the pastor's office. And he sat me down and he said, look, you know, we've had a complaint about you. And I just would like to talk to you about this. So I'm shaking in my boots thinking, goodness gracious, what I've done. And they said, there's been a complaint registered about you that you are overzealous in prayer. (laughs) True story. And I think that complaint is still laid against me from some quarters of the body of Christ. Because some people think that all you do is pray while they do the work. That's just not true. We pray hard and we work hard. We work as hard as anybody out there, seriously. But we pray as hard as we work as well. And so that's my theme for tonight, is I want to talk to you about the priority of prayer. And I don't care where you are on the prayer spectrum. On a scale of 1 to 10, you might say, I'm at a 0. I'm at minus 1. I'm at 1. It doesn't matter where you're at. I just want to shift it. If you're at 0, I want to get you to 1. If you're at 3, I want to get you to 4. If you're at 8, I want you to get you to 9. I just want you to get on a trajectory of prayer. That is growing and increasing in your life. Anyone keen to be more prayerful in your life? All right, let's believe God to do something in our hearts, in your heart, and in my heart as well. Justin Welby, that great leader, I think out of the UK, he says this. It'll come on your screen for you. Without prayer, there will be no renewal of the church. And without a renewal of the church, there is very little hope for the world. How many of you know that the church is the hope of the world? The church, we have the answers, friends. Nobody else has the answers. The politicians can't change Australia. The businessmen, well, Christian businessmen can help, but basically the leaders can't do it. The multimillionaires can't do it. Your, Christian, your celebrities can't do it. Your, your top people on TV, they can't do it, friends. The only people who can change this nation is the church. The church is the hope of the world. The church is the hope of Australia. We are the answer, folks. We are the answer, and God has put it in our hands. But, we need the, but the only church that's going to change this nation is a church on fire is a church that is passionate for God, a church that worships God, a church that works in holiness. Sadly, we don't have that really in the church today, so we need a renewal in the church. We need the church to be set on fire. It needs to be revived. The only way the church is going to be revived is through prayer. Prayer has been the only means that has ever revived the church in history, and that has never changed, and it's still the same today. And so we want to talk about this whole theme of prayer with you tonight You know, because a strong, revived church is the greatest gift that we can give the world. It's the greatest gift we can give the world. A strong, on fire, revived church. And I'm passionate to see Christians and to see the church of Jesus Christ on fire and revived and making a difference in the world. But what I struggle with is something like this. I don't know what it's like in Australia, but probably not much different to New Zealand. There was an article in the New Zealand Herald, the main paper in our nation, and it basically, the headline of the paper read like this, Losing Faith, Why Fewer Christians or Why Fewer New Zealanders Are Attending Church. That's not a nice headline to read in your paper. They did a survey of 200 nations in the world in terms of how non-religious they were, how secular they were. Out of 200 nations, they reckon North Korea, about the top of the list, and New Zealand came in at 20th out of 200 nations. And that was pretty bad. But what was worse, it was the first English-speaking nation on that list. New Zealand now is the most non-religious, humanistic, secular, English-speaking nation in the world. That's my nation, friends. That's why I say we need a renewal. We need a revival We need to get the church moving and on its feet so it can make a difference so New Zealand doesn't continue to drift away from God. New Zealand has fallen far from God, friends, and I'd imagine Australia is not much different. Friends, we're going to change that. We're going to change the landscape. We're going to change the narrative. We're not going to be ridiculed to the end of our days. The church is going to step in. We're coming into our finest hour, friends. This is a day for the church to arise in power, in fire, and make a difference in the nation of Australia. We up for this? Okay, it's going to take a bit of prayer to do that, but we're going to get, Billy Graham put it this way. To get nations back on their feet, we must first get down on our knees. Isn't that a great way of putting it? How many want Australia to get on its feet? Yeah. You know how we're going to get it on its feet? You and I are going to get on our knees. That's going to get our nation of Australia back on its feet. So there was a devastating flood a number of years ago. It's a, it's a story that's told. It's a, a legend or something like that of a, thr- of a drought that threatened to destroy a generation outside of Jerusalem. And legend has it that there was one man by the name of Honey. And he was known for his ability to pray for rain. Elijah, of course, could do the same. Honey drew a circle on the ground, and he got on his knees in that circle. He raised his hands to heaven as the crowds watched on, and he called down rain. And he said this word, these words, he said, Lord of the universe, I swear before your great name, I will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy on your children. And soon raindrops began to fall to the earth, to the audible gasps of the people. And Honey prayed on. And as he prayed on, there came a torrential downpour. And the ancient legend of the circle maker was born. Honey reinforces a great biblical truth, friends. And it is this. It's a great teaching on prayer to ask and keep on asking, and to never stop asking until the answer comes. When the disciples asked Jesus, would you teach us to pray? He gave them the Lord's Prayer, and then he went immediately to the friend at midnight, and he taught on the power of persistence to get the answer that you are after. They say the number one reason why prayers are not answered is because of a lack of persistence, or we give up, or we quit. But Jesus says we need to be like honey. We need to be circle makers. We need to pray and keep on praying until the answer comes through. But we also need to be very specific in our prayers. Yongi Cho tells us a great story of when he got saved. He was miraculously healed of tuberculosis. It could have taken his life. But as years went by, he realized that his bladder had not been healed. So he said to God, why is my bladder not been healed? And he said, well, you never have asked me you will be surprised at how many things you've not asked God to do for you, by the way. That's why James says you have not because you asked not. Go through a list of all the things that trouble you and find out how many you've not prayed about. Because I'm guilty of that as well. So Cho, when God spoke to Cho about it, he said, "Right, right, I'm going to start asking God about this. So he got into his office and he went, walked up and down his office and he circled his bladder. And he just said, bladder be healed. Bladder be healed. Bladder be healed. Not five minutes, not 10 minutes, not 30 minutes. 40 minutes, bladder be healed. 60 minutes, bladder be healed. 70 minutes, bladder be healed. Two hours, bladder be healed. And at the end of two hours, his bladder was completely healed by the power of God. He circled his bladder in Jesus' name until the answer came through. And we got to learn to be circle makers, friends, until we get the answers that God has got for us. And Yongi Cho said this, when you pray, he said, don't pray around the world. He said, be very specific in what you are asking for, be be very specific what you're praying for. He said, hit the nail on the head. Bladder, be healed. Hit the nail on the head. You know, he said, otherwise, what a lot of people do is they hammer away and end up with black thumbs because they're not hitting the nail on the head. They're circling around the nail. We've got to hit the nail on the head. We've got to be very specific until the answer comes through in our lives. Friends, pray until God comes through. Draw a circle, you hearing me, around your family, around your unsaved children, around your health, around your finances, around your ministry, around your church, whatever it is that you're after tonight, draw a circle around it and say, God, I'm praying through until the answer comes. number of years ago, my dad was age 59, went to the doctors, and he was diagnosed with a terminal kidney condition. I hadn't long been saved. And I began to realize that as a Hindu, 59 years of age, he was going to go to hell. And that terrified me because heaven and hell, very real in my life. And I believe that they're real places. And so I thought in desperation, I began to cry out to God. And I circled my dad, as it were, in prayer. And I prayed like I've never prayed before. And I prayed on and I prayed on and When prayer wasn't getting the answer, I began to fast. And I fasted one day. I'd I'd been used to fasting a few days. We fasted two days, three days, four days. five. I don't know how long we kept fasting. We kept praying. We just kept crying out to God. We were desperate friends. My dad had to be saved. I had to get him to the foot of the cross. I had to get him to heaven. I felt personal responsibility to do that. Not that you can do that that sense because at the end of the day, it's up to God. Cut a long story short, God began to move. And then my dad, 59 years a Hindu, anti Christian, anti Christ, anti my faith, anti everything to do with me following Jesus, anti me going to church, and never darkened the church door, friends, gave his life to Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Circle maker, a circle maker. And friends, That's over 30 years ago, and that's when I learned to pray. That's when I learned to fast and seek God. And friends, today, Church Unlimited is built on prayer and is built on fasting. And what you see and what I see, God doing with a good congregation, seven campuses, conferences, and New Zealand and Auckland, Christchurch. We do United Kingdom and beyond. Got radio, television, you know, 80 odd countries of the world. Friends, we've got that based on the foundation of prayer and fasting. When you pray and fast, God begins to do exponential things in your life. You see, the reality is, friends, if you knew me well, I'm actually not that good. I'm just not that good. I'm okay, and I try hard, but I'm not one of the most gifted, capable, leadership, brilliant people around, friends. But I have a God in heaven, and I've learned to access my God. And by accessing Him through prayer, God is able to... I, I punch way above my weight, folks. Way above my weight. I'm Doing stuff I would never dreamed possible for me to do or for Church Unlimited to do, but that's the power of prayer. That's the power of fasting. That's the power of crying out to God. He shifts you to a whole nother level. You know, I call prayer a weapon of mass destruction. You want to destroy the works of the enemy? Prayer will destroy his power in your life in your circumstances, in your church, in your family, wherever it might be, it is a weapon of mass destruction. It's time for the church of Jesus Christ to get again this weapon of mass destruction and begin to destroy the works of the enemy, Commander, to take his hands off people and off cities and off churches and off families and off young people and and all the destruction he's doing. Friends, with this weapon, we we can destroy the works of the enemy. It is a great weapon that God has given. It's the most powerful weapon I believe He's given the church. Sorry that I get a bit excited about this thing or worked up about it, but this is very real to me. This is my life's message, friends. This is what I do. This is what I believe in with all my heart. You know, uh, Jesus left the disciples with a command in Luke 24, 49. He said, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you endure it with power from on high. He said, wait in Jerusalem. Pre upper room, it looked like Jesus' mission was a colossal failure. He had only 120 followers left. And they were struggling. They were fearful. Yet after the death of Jesus, the Christian faith grew massively and they conquered the known world. You have to ask the question what happened between 120 struggling, defeated followers and what looked like a colossal failure of a mission to suddenly going from there to transforming the world? With the power of the gospel and the power of God. Well, I'll tell you what happened in between, friends, was the upper room. They went to the upper room. And so you've got to ask the question, what was in the upper room that changed world history? That caused the gospel to advance? Well, it's coming up on the screen. Acts 1, verse 14 says, These all continued with one accord, unity in prayer. Prayer and supplication. The number of names is about 120. A prayer meeting of 120 people changed history. Change, change everything, friends, and cause the greatest advance of the gospel at, at, that, that had ever been from that time at the beginning there. And every gospel advance of significance, friends, has begun in an upper room somewhere. And we need a lot more upper rooms, friends, in the church today. Men and women crying out to God to see an outbreak of the Holy Spirit and to see a move of God. You see, friends, every gospel advance, as I said, was an upper room. But all great Bible leaders drank of the ancient well of fervent prayer. You look through the scriptures, friends, they all drank of this well. And prayer, listen carefully, is the one well the devil hopes we will never redig in our generation. It's the well he fears the most. He doesn't mind if you do all these other things, but do not dig the well of prayer because well, of prayer releases the power of God. It's a weapon of mass destruction and the devil fears prayer more than anything else. He, a, he fears a praying believer more than anything else because a praying believer can connect with the God of heaven and releases power upon the earth. And so he, prays like, he, he fears like anything that this generation he doesn't want it to redig the well of prayer. But I've got bad news for the devil. I've got real bad news for him because this generation, we're going to redig the well of prayer once again and bring an outbreak of the Holy Spirit like we have never seen before. Come on, church. Let's rise to the challenge. Let's start digging this well. Let's dig it and dig it deeper, friends, because God's strategy has never changed. I get the privilege, a massive privilege of, of uh, running uh, combined churches, prayer meetings across New Zealand. People, I've, I'm known for this now, and people invite me to come. And all these meetings, I was recently have been going to Invercargill, right down the bottom of the South Island, and uh, you know, just not a big place there. But churches will come together. Remember the last one we had together? It was held in a Presbyterian church. All the different denominations come. They had their collars on and their robes on and all the rest of it. And uh, they they packed the auditorium out with 500 people. It was amazing. And then uh, what what staggers me, then they invite this Indian from Auckland... to come and lead them in prayer and knowing that I'm a full-blown Pentecostal and there's the brethren are there, the Catholics are there, the Presbyterians are there, the Methodists are there, the, the, the Baptists are there, the Assemblies of God are there. I mean, they're all there, a, rare, a great mixture. And they just say, preach first and then let's pray. I said, do you know how I preach? Do you know how we pray? They said, give it to us. Friends, there's a hunger. There's a hunger, friends. The church has tried every other trick in the book. We've tried it all. It doesn't work, friends. It does not work. Tell the person next to you, all these gimmicks do not work. There's only one thing that works, friends, and has always worked, and that is prayer. And we've got to get back to prayer, friends. You've got to get back to seeking the face of God. Prayer is the the highest discipline of the human spirit because it's the one that connects directly with God. You want to get in touch with God, start talking to Him. Come on, on, start praying. Start calling Him. You'll begin to hear His voice. You'll begin to feel His presence. You'll begin to sense His power because you're making that contact with the eternal God. The church So in this prayer meeting, man, look at that clock. What's wrong with that clock? How does it go so fast? Stop in Jesus' name. I declare in the name of Jesus, the clock stops now. See, it's gone off. I wish, I wish. Just hoping, just praying. Anyway, we had this, honestly, listen. The pray, in that prayer meeting, as I let the presence of God, something like our oh, virtue never experienced before. When you have unity in the body, and you have prayer, you got the seedbed of revival. That's what was in the upper room. They had both, unity and prayer. The song leader said, I've never felt this kind of presence before. I think one of the singers said, lead singer says, this must be what heaven is like. We're starting to redig the well of prayer. And I think the devil's starting to shake in his boots a little bit. He's worried because he knows that that is the game changer, that that is the game breaker. The first revival in any genuine revival is a revival of prayer. That's where it starts. That's where it's always started. That's where it's going to continue to start. Here's a quote coming up for you prayers the difference between us fighting for God and God fighting for you. Is that have we got that one there? Maybe we didn't give it to you. Oh, yeah, here we have there. Praise the difference between us fighting for God and God fighting for us or God fighting for you. I've made my choice. I've made my choice. I'd rather God fight for me. Then I fight for God. Which one do you think is more effective? God fighting for you or you fighting for God? It's a no-brainer, friends. And yet most of us do all the fighting. Why not get God on board through prayer and get Him fighting for you? I tell you, you're going to have a lot more success and you're not going to burn out in the process as well because you get God on your side to do some tremendous things in, in your life. You see... Prayer, as I said this morning, says in other words, dependence on God. See, I pray a lot because (laughs) I'm not that good. So I have to depend on God. If God doesn't come true, I'm sunk. you know. But dependence is power. And when you depend on God, you actually pass by all those brilliant people who depend on themselves. Because none of them are actually that good anyway. eh? Compared to what God can do the most capable, charismatic, brilliant communicator. I'm, I'm, I'm sick of hearing that stuff. I want to hear what, what, what shifts when they speak, what moves when they speak. what lives are changed. Yeah, you can communicate so brilliantly, but so often nothing happens. Got to be in prayer. If you want God to do stuff, if you want God to move in your circumstance and in your situation, see, prayer adds power to everything you do. So whatever you're doing right now in your life, As a church leader or out in the workplace or in the marketplace, whatever your job is, listen, prayer will add power to everything you do. Prayer will take it to another level. How many of you need to go to another level? Get on your knees and watch what God will do. It's amazing. (laughs) Do you know what's the greatest revelation I have about prayer? It works. It actually works. Now, sure, you've got a lot of unanswered prayers, but boy, I tell you, there's also a lot of answered prayers that you have and that I have as well. So anyway, moving right along here, you know, prayer is a key to your future, and uh, prayer is a key to taking territory. Now, you want to take some new territory. You want to win some battles. See, as we increase in prayer, listen for this for a moment, please. As we increase in our impact for God, if your church, your life, your business is increasing in its impact for God... You need a parallel increase in prayer. Because what happens is the devil's now more interested in you. And his attack is going to intensify on you as you keep expanding. Some people keep expanding without increasing the prayer. That's why so many leaders get taken out. They haven't got the prayer support around them to, to handle the headwinds that come with expansion and growth and enlargement. And so I've, I've strengthened my prayer support in a big way as God is doing more in and through my life and in through, through my ministry, you know, because you get overexposed to the enemy's attack if you don't have prayer support around you. Have you ever noticed how much Paul begged for prayer? Yeah. Romans fifteen thirty. I beg you through the Lord Jesus and through the love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. He pleaded with prayer. Now, I, I, because I'm in touch with God and have some power available to me, I have managed to raise from the dead, just for Adelaide tonight, Moses, Aaron, and her. <laughs> they're just going to come to the stage. You watch. You, watch you, know, you think I'm joking. Moses, come up. Here, here they come. Where's my? They, look, they're coming through this door. All right. Here we come. Here, look, Mo, look, He looks a bit different to what you thought. <laughs> it's a bit different to what you thought. But this, this is Moses himself. Must be good to be alive again, Moses, eh? All right. And we've got... Mo- hey, come down here, Moses, please. I don't want to order you around because you're a mighty man of God. But, and uh, this is Aaron here. Aaron, good looking Aaron, eh? Nice hairstyle. Okay. And this is her. It looks like him, but for tonight, it's her. All right, okay. Good on you, her. (coughs) It's all okay. These days, it's all okay, folks. All right. Don't worry about it. Don't get hassled about it. So I'm going to read to you about these guys from Exodus 17, 8 to 13. So Amalek, there's a battle going on, right? Came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose us. Watch this carefully, folks. Choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. There's a battle going on. But tomorrow I, Moses, will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua sent out to pray. Moses says, You use Joshua sent out to fight. Moses is up the top of the mountain. So Joshua did as Moses said to him, and he fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and her went to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel, fighting on the ground floor, won the battle, prevailed. But when he let down his hand, Amalek, the enemy, prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down. Of the son. You can't do this, friends, on your own. You can't do it on your own. You need support. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Let me explain what happened here. Can Stand up again, please, Moses. Sorry to order you around tonight, but it's the way it is. Moses sends Joshua out to fight. But Moses, the uh, experienced campaigner that he was, understood something, that the key to winning this battle was not the strength of the sword and the shield, but was prayer. He understood it. Do you understand? So he says, Moses, Joshua, you, you guys go and fight, but I'll do the real fighting. I'll do the real fighting. So Moses goes up the mountain. Holds up his rod. As long as his hands were lifted up, prayer, Israel would be winning the battle. As long as the church's hands are lifted up in prayer, they'll be winning the battle. The battle for the community, the battle for the city, the battle for the nation. As long as the church's prayers are lifted up, hands are lifted up, we're going to be winning, friends. This is hard to preach, to be honest, friends. It's hard to preach this. Because the church is not holding its hands up. And we're being beaten on every front. Come on. It's being knocked around by the enemy. Well, his hands are lifted up. But when his hands drop down, the church, Israel, was defeated. See, friends, when we pray, God fights for us and for the church, and we win victories. In military history, Joshua gets the credit for winning this battle. But in this illustration, we see behind the scenes. Joshua did fight the battle. Joshua did fight, but the battle was won by the prayer team. Up on the mountain, fighting in the spirit to win the victory. Just add to that, Moses needed support, prayer support. Want to sit down again? Guys, hold his hands up, please. He had Aaron and her. He needed, Moses needed Aaron and her. This mighty, mighty man of God needed Aaron and her. Jesus asked the disciples to pray for him in Gethsemane, he needed support. Paul pleaded for prayer. So my question to you tonight is, who's upholding your hands? Because you can't do this game alone. You need support and strength around you. I have a prayer team of intercessors. The whole ministry is just to pray for me. It's about 10 of them. That's what they do. And these are high-level leaders. Most of them were leaders in the church. They said, no, no. We think it's more important to pray for you than to run departments. And so they pray, for, I've got a high level, these indices, they can pray two hours at a time nonstop and really storm heaven. And I think one of the reasons that we lose leaders is that they don't have enough prayer support around them. Friends, it's time for the church to lift its hands in prayer. It's time to step up to the plate and let's hit a home run for Jesus, friends. Let's smash the devil. Let's use this weapon of mass destruction that he's put in our hands and see our communities, our cities, our nations turn to Jesus, but also see the church revived in Jesus' name. How about a big hand for Moses, Aaron, and her? Thanks, guys. Brilliant. Brilliant. Did you get some photos? Did anyone get some photos of that? Okay, good. I want them sent through to me, all right, at some stage. All right. Our time is going, and I'm only halfway through my message, but never mind. You know, there's a small church in California a number of years ago. had four splits. It was dead. But the pastor believed that if he prayed, God would do something. So this pastor and this one old lady in the church, they would pray for God to move. An hour a day, every day. Just two of them. Day after day, they prayed. Six months, nothing happened. One year, nothing happened. Two years, nothing happened. Praying daily, hour a day. Prophet comes and speaks at their church. And he has a prophecy for them. He says, the day is coming. He the day is coming when the lights of this church will not go out for many months and the car park will be full. You'll need wardens. Congregation looked out the window and thought, my God, that's going to take a miracle. Pastor and old lady prayed on after the prophet had come through. Nothing happens. Six months later, a young man comes rushing into the service. He's high on drugs. Pastor comes down off the pulpit and just to grab him and he's unsettling the whole meeting, causing havoc and mayhem. When can grab whole of him to send him out and as he gets, puts his hands on him, God says, don't touch him. My hand is upon him. let him go, the man disappears. Next day or next week, I'm not sure exactly when it was, rushes in, the same man rushes in to the auditorium, high on drugs, causing mayhem, pastor goes to Touching me, and God says, don't touch him." My hand is upon him. A guy comes in for a third time into the auditorium, rushes to the front. And as he hits the front of the auditorium this time, the Spirit of God falls on him. He hits the floor. He's delivered. He's set free. He's saved, and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. So he asked the pastor, do you have a service the next day? The pastor says, we'll have one. 6 p.m. Hour before the meeting, faithful pastor and his wife, or known as this old lady, praying again for an hour before the service. As they're praying, they hear this commotion up in the auditorium. They think, what on earth's going on? They race up there, and the place, 300 seat or roughly like that, totally packed out with people. Never been so many people in the church ever before. It was packed out with all these people that this man invited. See, so this young man was a head drug dealer. And he withheld the drug supply. And he called all the druggies to church the next night. And, of course, they all came for the drugs. Church is packed out. Then he stands up before the crowd and he says, I've never felt so free, and so well in my entire life. And the pastor is going to tell you about it. The pastor preaches Jesus. And that began a revival that birthed the Jesus movement of the 1960s. 60,000 people came through that church from all over the world. The lights did not go out for eight months, and the car park was full. Why, friends? The Jesus movement, because one pastor and one woman. There was no Tark Barna there. There was no Danny Guglielmucci there. There There's no Russell Evans. There's no T.D. Jakes. There's no Stephen Ferdinand. No, no, none of them, friends one pastor and one woman who said, we will pray until God does something. They were circle makers. Is there there someone in this place? Are there some in this place? You've heard about prayer for so long. My prayer tonight is that you'll get it, that you'll actually get it. And become a person of prayer. Sure you'll have to grow into it. You're not going to be praying an hour a day. But you might go five, 10, 20, I don't know. But you, just to grow into it. Because friends that's the hope of this world. You see the church of Jesus Christ. Has always. 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 Advanced. On. Its knees. Friends it's never been. Any other way. It's never going to change. I don't know if you have this in Australia so much, but I understand that's how you get holy jeans. My problem is, I haven't prayed enough. Yet to get holy genes. But I admire those who have got them. Because they're obviously on their knees so much. That they've got holy genes. I pray with all my heart. That those holy genes. Of this coming generation. Will be a prophetic statement. That God is going to raise up a generation of young people. They're going to pray their hearts out. And they're literally going to get holes in their genes because of persistent and fervent prayer. God, would you do it? God, would you do it, please? God, would you do it, please? God, for the sake of our family and friends, the sake of our community, the sake of our nation, for the sake of your church, God, would you do it again? 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people call by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. They humble themselves with fasting. David said he humbled himself with fasting. There's a time in my church that very few people were getting saved. We we're so accustomed to people being saved, and I said, God, what's happened? What's what's the problem? He spoke to me so clearly. Isaiah 66 verse 8 said, As soon as Zion, the church, was in labor, that's fervent prayer, she gave birth to the children. So I called my church and I said, Church, we've got to pray. I called them 21 days of prayer and fasting. Over the next three months, after the 21 days of prayer and fasting, 100 people stood at the altar of my church giving their lives to Jesus Christ. And I knew then that I had the key to people being saved and had the key to a revival. It's prayer, but if you add to it fasting, it adds just so much tremendous power. We recently, before our New Zealand Beyond conference, we did 21 days of prayer and fasting. During that fast, about the third or fourth day, we had a night service. water baptism. And uh, at the end of that, I I gave the altar call, which we always do for salvation. We had a water baptism in a prayer meeting. And uh, often we'll get three or four people saved that night. On the third or fourth day of that fast. There's 25 people three really older giving their lives to Jesus. Sorry, folks. I'm just... See, God's pleading with this church. And he's pleading with you tonight through me. You know me. I, I don't cry that much. But every so often, the Spirit of God comes on me it's not me crying, because I don't care that much. I do care, but not that much. But God cares so much more. He's calling his church to its knees. It really is. To prayer and to fasting. So we're in this 21 days of fasting, halfway through it. Then we have uh, J. John comes and speaks in our church on that Sunday. And on one Sunday, listen, folks, on one Sunday, Something like a hundred people stood at the altar giving their lives to Jesus Christ. In a period of three weeks, we saw 200 salvations as a result of 21 days of prayer and fasting. I'm here to say to you, friends, that this is the game changer. This is the game breaker. This is what's going to bring a renewal in the church. And this is, you know, history tells us, friends, Whenever the church has gone into decline, whenever the church has been struggling, God's answer has always been the same. And that is, he called his church back to prayer and fasting to seeking his face and calling upon his name. It's it's never changed. Down through history, Wesley and Edwards and Whitfield and Moses and Daniel and Jesus and the early church. It's never changed, friends. It's always been God's strategy to bring renewal and revival to the church. Our time is gone tonight. But Andrew Murray says this, The man, the woman who mobilizes the church to pray, will make the greatest contribution to world evangelization in history. I want to be one of those men that makes that contribution to world evangelization because church prayer is what's going to change the landscape of Christianity. It's going to change the landscape of the church, and that will change the landscape of the community, of the city, and of our nation, friends. Prayer is going to change it all, and you and I have been commissioned by God. Jesus said in His Word, Mark, uh, Mark, what is it, eleven somewhere? And My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. He never said. He never said it was going to be a house of, uh, of of fellowship or a house of love or a house of preaching or even a house of singing. He said, No, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Why? Because prayer will will mobilize or will energize the altar calls. Prayer prayer will make the preaching more powerful. Prayer will bring heaven to earth on the music. Prayer will help us to love one another a whole lot more. Prayer is the engine that drives the machine. Prayer is the engine that drives the church of Jesus Christ. We need to put some oil and fuel in the machine so it can run with fire. And that fuel, friends, is prayer and it is fasting. As the musicians would please come and join me on the platform. I want to finish with this last thought with you tonight. Imagine a cricket player playing cricket and and you know every time he goes to hit the ball, you know, if three or four times he misses it, then he hits a four or a one or a two. Imagine if the cricket player decided, I miss too many balls, so I'm gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bat anymore. Because I, every so often I miss. I'm sick of missing. I only hit a four every so I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hit the ball anymore. Friends, do you know that's what you and I often do with prayer? We let misses stop us praying. We pray and nothing happens. We pray again, nothing happens. And so we think, oh, this prayer is not very good. My batting average in prayer, friends, I'm honest with you, is not great. I swing and I miss all the time. Every day I swing and I miss. But if I'm going down, I'm going down swinging. I'm going down praying, crying out to God. God, move in our nation, move in our church, move in my life. Moving our community. Yes, I miss. Again, I miss and I hit and I miss and I miss, but I'm going to keep on swinging. I'm going to keep on swinging, friends, until I see a full blown revival. I'm born for revival, friends. I've carried the heart of revival for over 30 years and I'll go for it, I'll chase it to the grave. But I believe I'm going to see it with my own eyes. Keep on praying, friends, no matter how many times you strike out, no matter how many times your prayer is not answered, I say keep on swinging. Keep praying until the answer comes through. You say, but I've prayed five years. About six months, I say swing again. You say, I've prayed a year for my son to come back to Christ. I say swing again. You say, I've prayed five years to be here. Swing again. i will prayed 10 years. Swing again. i will prayed 50 years. Swing again. I say keep on swinging. Never stop swinging until God comes through. Mark Batterson tells this great story as I can close it out tonight. He said he had suffered asthma from, since the time he was a child. And he needed an inhaler every day. He ended up in the hospital many, many times but he never stopped praying. One day he's preaching on moving mountains. As he's preaching this message, he says to the people, Bray, pray your bravest prayer. Pray something that seems impossible. Pray something that you've prayed so many times and never seen an answer. Just, he said, pray your bravest prayer. As he says that, the Holy Spirit whispers in his ear, pray for asthma. So he prays again, a prayer that he had prayed for 40 years. He swung again, instantly healed by the power of God. Never used his inhaler again in his life. Friends, swing again. It's time for the church to start swinging and praying again. Please stand with me. open up this altar if God's touched your heart challenged you convicted you, inspired you and you want to rededicate yourself to prayer or you want to start the journey of prayer because it's just not a journey you've been on I want to open up this altar for those of you who want to make a fresh commitment of your heart to prayer, maybe you're already a great prayer warrior. You may say, God's been challenging me. Would you believe in the last three, six months? He says, Ty, you need to ramp up your praying. I said, really? He said, yeah, you need to ramp it up. And I pray, seriously, daily, a lot. God says, push it up higher. You want me to see, see me do more? You need to push it harder. And so I've been on altars myself. Rededicating myself to prayer. So I don't know what song, guys, is some song that's going to fit with this and something maybe soothing and uplifting and whatever. Maybe we'll get to fighting our battles in a moment. But right now, just uh, I'll leave it to the you guys. You'll nail it. Contract's on the way, remember. <laughs> just determines how much we put on that contract by the song that you say. Okay, seriously, folks, come on, the altar's open. If you want to come to the front, just come. Just come. And you do business with God. You do it however you want to do it. I don't you know, we're not going to be praying for, we'll pray a corporate prayer, but this is for you individually to, to step out and reach out to God tonight and say, yeah, I want you to step it up in prayer in my life. I want to be one of those that brings an awakening to the church. I want to be one of those that brings revival and renewal to the church. I want to be one of those that God, you can use in a powerful way to make a difference so I can help shape my community. I can help reach my family, my friends, my neighbors, and others for Christ. Thanks, guys. Why don't you just pray for the next minute or so? Yes. Just ask God to make you a man or a woman of prayer to take you to the next level of prayer in your life, that this is not just going to be a a message you hear, but it's going to be something you you do something with. You'll be a, a doer of the Word, not just a hearer, because heaven is depending upon the church getting on its knees. It's never been any other way, friends. It's still the way forward. Spirit of God. Father, I thank you tonight, Lord, for the cry of heaven, for your church to redig the ancient well of prayer. And I thank you, Father, that the church is starting to do this. Father, that people are hearing the call and responding. Lord, not just here in this place, but across the globe, there's a rising temperature, Lord, of prayer and of fasting. So, Father, I pray that we would be numbered among those who will be faithful in prayer. God, will be instruments in your hands to bring a renewal to your church. And from that, Lord, a revival into the society and into the community. Father, would you touch my heart and each and every one of us tonight that we'll take a step forward in prayer. Father, not out of condemnation, but maybe a conviction. And just in knowing, Father, that this is the only answer, it has always been the only answer. Lord, your church has tried every other system, method that there is, and it just doesn't work. Father, we come back to the essence of your gospel when you said my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Father, let your church once again be a house of prayer, Father. And Lord, with that, we're going to reshape the history of nations, Father. We're going to change the trajectory of churches, of communities, Lord, of society, of Adelaide, of Australia, and beyond. Father, we thank you that the church will once again get upon its knees, and Lord, that the church now will step into its finest hour, that we'll be a force to be reckoned with. Lord, that government will begin to turn to the church. And ask, what can we do? What are the answers? We have all these needs. Church, what have you got to say? Lord, let the voice of the church get stronger and stronger and stronger. No longer ridicule, but look to as the ones who have the answer. Father, we ask these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want us to finish it off tonight with that song we sang earlier. This is how we fight our battles. But I want us tonight to think it's through prayer that we fight. Yeah, worship as well and everything else. But tonight the focus is prayer. This is how. Who's ready to fight? Who's ready to tell the Lord this is how? Moving forward, this is how I'm going to fight my battles. You ready? Let's give it everything we've got as we wrap it up for tonight. This is Al.